Well, it is time for midday here on KRBN. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Again, thanks for making us a part of your Monday, September 14th. We have a jam-packed day coming up for you. Of course, Jason Jorgensen, Bob Brogan will join me here in just a moment. But, as always, let's start with our very own Susan Littlefield. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday on this Monday from the farm team. Kicking it all off at 1219. Rebel will be talking with the Nebraska Ag Crew student interview with J.C. Lapp. Then at 1245, I'll be speaking with Norman Basic. He's with the National Pork Board as we talk about port exports and the influence it has on the industry. Then at 117, we hear from Mac Marshall. He is with the United Soybean Board as we talk WASD and the soybeans. That's a midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Let's turn it over to Jason for sports. And, well, we, we may still have. There is a glimmer of hope for uh, college football in the Big Ten area. Maybe. Uh, another day, another day of uh, rumors, although uh, nationally, Dan Patrick, who has appeared to be a pretty plugged into this for a while, although even he's been wrong on some of it. His source hasn't always been right. Listen, nobody's been right, <laughs> uh, even close to any of this uh, information. Uh, even that guy on Twitter, Sir Yacht. Yeah, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he called his shot a while back. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Dan Patrick is saying the presidents and chancellors will vote today, but that Michigan probably will not play, Michigan State will not play, and Maryland is not mm. going to play. Now, that's different from what we were getting late last night that said if they chose to play, all 14 would go ahead and do it. Interesting. So uh, we talked about this last week. What's the difference of the teams that wanted to initially play and everybody else didn't want to play? Why couldn't they go do their, you know, whatever? Now it's okay for some not to play and, and the rest want to. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been a total uh, mess for quite a while. It, mm-hmm. it was interesting to see the comments yesterday of Wisconsin's Barry Alvarez saying that they could get ready to go in three weeks. He'd, he'd been pretty noncommittal for quite a while. And maybe the biggest thing you can look at is in Vegas, they started to change their national championship odds. Really? Which leads you to believe sure. that they know something that Ohio State's going to be involved and have a chance to play. So that's probably the biggest sign of all. That is a good point. When Vegas starts moving <laughs> things around, Usually things are happening. Hey, those guys are usually on target. We'll, yeah. we'll keep an eye on okay. this uh, throughout the afternoon. NFL season got started yesterday. Uh, all of those Tom Brady haters are very happy <laughs> with uh, the old man struggling a little bit. But what did you expect? They didn't have any exhibition games. No. It's one game. Mm-hmm. I saw all of this stuff. Yeah, it proves, you know, it was all Belichick. It's one game. Well, and listen, he was playing a team in the Saints that is uh, one of the favorites to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, this they're not year. the Wood Avenue Woodchucks. Correct. Th- that's a little easy, uh, tougher <laughs> than the Open that uh, the Patriots had against Miami, who they've been beating for the last you know twenty years. And that had been brought up quite a bit as well. They're not playing the Jets, the Miami Dolphins, so on and so forth. So. Got to give him a little break. Well, while I do think this is a twilight of Tom Brady's career, I would not write him off just yet. Agreed. By the way, our Broncos play tonight against the Titans. How do you think they'll do? I hope they win. There we go. <laughs> we'll take it at that. <laughs> Bob, how about you? How are stocks looking uh, here in the first couple of hours? Looking pretty good. Uh, opening solidly higher, and uh, mostly because of uh, corporate deals. Uh, the Dow and the NASDAQ and the S&P all all up so we'll watch that today and uh, OPEC says that developing countries difficulty in containing the spread of the coronavirus pandemic will help keep a lid on global oil demand that's another story in the news today meanwhile uh, gas prices have ticked upward just a little bit all right thank you very much it is time for regional ag weather and our own Paul Perkins is now joining us and 
Well, Paul, you and I are trying to figure something out. We're, we're looking outside our window here at KRVN, and it uh, looks a, a little bit hazy, but we're not exactly sure. Yeah, exactly. I think there are some clouds in those kind of upper levels, but some of it, of course, is some of that smoke coming in from the western wildfires in the western U.S., because if you look at a satellite photo, it's pretty much showing wall-to-wall sunshine in Nebraska mm-hmm. and Kansas, but undoubtedly, I think there are probably some clouds mixed in with that, because if you go to the Nebraska Panhandle, their skies are a lot bluer sure. and a lot closer to those uh, that smoke now and you were talking about potential haze from the western are you talking about like california oregon mm-hmm. like that far exactly wow, yeah okay. and this yeah this big ridge of high pressure over the western u.s those westerly winds kind of transporting that sn- uh, smoking haze uh, okay since we got that westerly upper flow upper flow and so that is helping to push that smoke into our area and what's getting probably going to see some hazy, hazy sunshine sure. for the next few days well and i kind of believe it if you see some of those pictures and the yeah. videos from California, yeah. Oregon. I mean, it, it's wild stuff out there. Exactly, and they've got it at the surface, I and mean, it's just sure. difficult breathing mm-hmm. conditions, and yeah, the visibility is way down just due to unbelievable smoke in those areas. Well, the good news is we're seeing warmer temperatures today and really for the next couple days. Exactly. It looks like it should stay that way for a while, uh, especially cooperative if you're wanting to try and get some harvest done in some way or another. Right now, most of our temperatures on the mild side in the upper 60s to the low 70s for the most part, but we do have some mid-70s to about 80 as you head into northern Kansas and also over portions of north-central Nebraska. As warm as 81 right now at Ainsworth, 83 at O'Neill and temperatures right at 80 to 81 from northeast Colorado on over to northwest Kansas towards Overland and into St. Francis but once again most of us in Nebraska upper 60s to low 70s and that warm weather that we've been enjoying looks like it's going to be sticking around for at least a few more days today through Wednesday sunshine temperatures 5 to 10 degrees warmer than usual a lot different than what we saw last week at this time with those much cooler temperatures a ridge of high pressure expanding east across the plains with the warmer and drier weather south wind will be slightly breezy for today through tomorrow thanks to being right at the surface a trough of low pressure stretching from western nebraska to northeast colorado so those south winds just ahead of that trough of low pressure keeping it breezy times but not overly windy there will be some upper level smoke once again or haze the next couple of days due to the wildfires across the western u.s now thursday and friday temperatures will slightly cool to around seas they'll be to behind the passage of a cool front on wednesday evening our weekend temperatures warming back to slightly warmer than normal as we sit in between two systems in our region. The dry stretch could come to an end late on Sunday with some low pressure starting to move in from the west, but this far out there's still some details to work out for those exact rain chances. In the long-term forecast, temperatures likely to be warmer than normal for Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the central and western U.S. this weekend through September 27th. So most of September actually going to be pretty warm, especially when you compare it to what we had last week. Rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas forecast to be near normal this weekend through early next week. Then that outlook trending back to below normal rainfall by the late half of next week through September 27th. Key weather factors affecting market trade include mainly dry weather for the next week in the Midwest, dry weather in the forecast for Russia, and an improvement in rain chances for Brazil. The Midwest mostly dry this week. The dry conditions with seasonal to above normal temperatures will favor crop drying and early harvest. Southern Plains crop areas will also be dry this coming week. The conditions that favor winter wheat planting after rain in the past week. The Northern Plains warmer and drier weather this next week. Useful for drying out the soils and the crops along with possible early harvest. 
in Russia and Ukraine wheat areas. A forecast of just light rain this week, unfavorable for their wheat planting. On the other hand, eastern Australia wheat areas expect moderate to heavy rain for this week. The rainfall favoring their developing wheat. Central Brazil crop areas expect some light to locally moderate rain this next week. The rainfall an improvement for soil moisture for soil planting after some recent dry weather. Very good. Well, one thing that really stuck out to me, you mentioned for the rest of this month should be fairly warm. So, and I'm hoping I'm not jinxing anything <laughs> here, but we shouldn't see any more snow for the rest of this month. Yeah, I'm guessing that's pretty much out of the question for us okay. here. So, yeah, unless something freaky moves in, but it doesn't look like this system coming in next week or early next week will have much of a punch as far as any cool weather because right back into above normal temperatures for mm-hmm. the next 14 days. So it's really living up to what you always look forward to Usually. in September, okay. warm yeah. and dry weather. You know, it does get warm during the day into the mid to upper 80s, but at night it cools off nicely into the 50s thanks to the dry air. Well, Nebraska is known for freaky weather, so anything can certainly happen, so that is for sure. I've seen some six-inch snowfalls at the end of September, and it was before any kind of a frost occurred. It was like in the mid-80s, and a lot of power line damage was the result. Well, let me tell you what. I was out in the panhandle again this past weekend, and that freeze that happened, all of the crops, not I shouldn't say all the crops, but anybody's garden, the soybeans out there, uh, they're pretty much done for. So. It hit them pretty hard. Yeah, yeah it no really problem. did. So very good. Well, for more weather, where can you find that? Weather tab, krbn.com. Thank you very much. A Hay Center Nebraska native has taken to social media to share the story of agriculture. I'm Rebel Seclocha reporting. J.C. Lapp is now serving as a member of the 2020 Nebraska Farm Bureau Ag Crew. J.C., tell us a little bit about yourself, your ag background, and what you're up to these days. I grew up on a family ranch, the Lap Ranch, which is about 15 miles north of Hay Center. We have purebred herfers on our ranch, as well as roping steer cattle. I'm currently going to McCook Community College right now, and I plan to end up in Lincoln, and I will be hopefully someday become an ag teacher and an FSA advisor. Awesome. So this year you have the unique opportunity to serve as a member of the Nebraska Farm Bureau Ag Crew. Tell us a bit about that program and what you do as a member of the crew. So the Ag Crew is this board that we're able to serve on for end of high school kids, early college kids, and we just get to go on social media, learn how to advocate for agriculture socially. And it's a really ideal time for this since the coronavirus is going on and it's kind of hard to get everybody together. So this is a great way that we were able to still advocate for agriculture and everybody is still able to learn about what's going on within this industry. So consumers nowadays are on average two to three generations removed from the family farmer ranch and that gap continues to grow. So How important is it to reach people via social media? Agriculture is the backbone to this country, so it is very important to reach people and make sure that they know actually what is happening within agriculture. Give us an example of some of the things that you've posted about or some conversations that you've started on social media. So I posted about things like National Corn on the Cob Day. I posted fun facts about my own county fair. And recently I posted about, I reached out to some of my former classmates and I did a post on how they are staying connected with agriculture. 
some of them are using social media accounts. Some of them are getting involved in ag clubs on their campus, and others of them are visiting their farms often or talking to their parents who are farmers or ranchers. How do you think this experience is helping you reach your personal and career goals? This experience is helping me reach my personal career goals because I know I want to end up within the ag industry someday, and this is just giving me an opportunity to learn about everything within agriculture, from farming to ranching and to the other aspects as well. You mentioned that this is a program for high school students as well as students just heading into college. Obviously, you haven't really been able to gather in person, but what has the networking been like just amongst crew members? Yeah, so we haven't been able to meet in person yet, but we're hoping to meet in October. But we have been doing Zoom calls, so we're, we've been able to chat with each other. We have group chats that we're still able to keep up with each other and learn more about. And I just, I really love collaborating with the other crew members because they're my age and they also have different backgrounds of knowledge within agriculture. And that's great for me to learn about what they're about as well. Once again, that was J.C. Lapp, a member of the 2020 Nebraska Farm Bureau Ag Crew, a group for high school and college students interested in telling the story of agriculture online. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the Big Ten presidents were presented with a comprehensive plan to conduct a fall football season yesterday, but we're still waiting on that final decision. Sean Callahan of Husker Online, however, says things appear to be going in a positive direction. It looks now as if things could move forward with the vote as early as today, and all 14 teams are expected to play. I know there's a thought that some teams could back out, but as of Sunday night, all 14 teams appear to be playing if this moves forward with a vote, and the start of the season would be October 17th, so ideally you would play eight games Thanks a lot, Sean. Of course, what we've seen over the last month, a lot of rumors. Dan Patrick on his national show earlier this morning said few of the schools will choose not to play. Well, Jason Bockel of Hastings College is this week's GPAC Special Teams Player of the Week. The sophomore from Grand Island averaged 46 yards per punt on six attempts, and Hastings College's big win over Dakota Wesleyan. He also connected on a 37-yard field goal in the fourth. He was 6-of-6 six six on extra points. He also recorded the first Hastings tackle of the game on the opening kickoff. Broncos have a big one on Saturday and when they travel to Seward to take on Concordia, who was dominant in their win on Saturday night over Dome. The New England Patriots' new quarterback, you could say, had a better day than their old one. Cam Newton rushed for a couple of scores as the Pats held on to beat the Dolphins 21-11. He rushed for 15 times for 75 yards and threw for 155 yards. The Saints, however, ruined Tom Brady's Tampa Bay debut by intercepting him a couple of times as they held on to win at 34-23. Now, the first week of the schedule wraps up tonight with a usual doubleheader with the Giants hosting Pittsburgh and its Tennessee at Denver. And Brad Keller pitched his first Major League shutout, tossing a five-hitter as the Royals won for the sixth time in a row as they pounded the Pirates 11-0. For Keller, who was making his 55th career start in the big leagues, he struck out two, walked one, and threw 111 pitches. It's his second complete game in the majors, but his first shutout. The Royals have the day off today. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com.
KRVN, 93.1 The River, and Cami have always blazed new trails. This year is no different. We're giving you a chance to win a brand new Chevrolet Blazer. And not just any Blazer. A 2020 Blazer loaded with extra details like tinted windows and a custom paint job. For your first look, go to krvn.com and check it out. Be listening because we'll be giving more details on how you can get registered to win the Blazer this fall. We are blazing new trails. Thanks to these partners. Eustace Body Shop. Eustace. Cozad. Lexington. Kearney. Grand Island in Lincoln. Heartland Chevrolet in Buick. Lexington. Nutrien Ag Solutions. Suretop Angus in Charlet. Farnham. Cornerstone Bank. Member FDIC. With 43 locations serving Nebraska. Central Valley Irrigation. Holdridge. Lexington. Kearney. Nebraska Land. Kansas Land. Colorado Land Tire Group. And Lexington Regional Health. The Hall County Administration Building has been reopened after it was evacuated Monday at around 9 a.m. due to a suspicious package. The package was found in the election office. An update on the Hall County Sheriff's Department Facebook page says the investigation of the suspicious package is complete. The administration building is now deemed safe and open for business. The Sheriff's Office is thankful for the cooperation it received during the investigation. The building was closed for nearly two hours this morning. Hundreds gathered along a processional route Saturday with flags waving to pay their respects to a slain Nebraska police officer. Procession for Luis Mario Herrera left shortly after 8.30 in the morning from a Lincoln funeral home with police motorcycles in the lead. The procession arrived around 45 minutes later at Pinnacle Bank Arena where officers from dozens of agencies were waiting. After the funeral, a procession took Herrera to Calvary Cemetery, where a private burial was held. Herrera, the 23-year veteran of the Lincoln Police Department, died last Monday, nearly two weeks after he was shot as he sought to serve an arrest warrant. Located on the west campus of the University of Nebraska at Kearney, the brand-new three-story Discovery Hall features some of the most high-tech devices for teaching and learning anywhere in the state of Nebraska. At 90,000 square feet, Discovery Hall houses 13 academic programs and each day seeks hundreds of students come through its door. All that technology requires massive bandwidth, which UNK Chancellor Doug Christensen says the planning and preparation has been in the works for years. These were things we did in preparation for this building, in preparation for health science, in preparation for the university. We had to get those things done first. And so people are going, why are you doing that? Well, now's the payoff on that, is that those were steps that we thought through years ago that we needed to get ready to do, that we couldn't build a building and then go, oh my. Christensen also says the UNK campus has a direct, dedicated 10-gig fiber optic line to connect Discovery Hall and the adjacent health science education complex to its counterpart buildings at UNO and UNMC. A 14-year-old Kansas girl may have set a new state deer hunting record with a buck she killed this month. Paisley Worth shot a 40-point white-tailed buck while hunting in Kiowa County. The deer unofficially measured 282 inches, which would top the existing record of 280 and 4 eighths inches. Before the record can become official, though, the rack of antlers on the deer Worth shot must dry for 60 days. Even if Worth's deer sets the record, it may not last long. A deer shot last fall in Chase County measured 
321 inches, but that deer won't be officially certified until 2022. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Export markets continue to add value to the pork industry. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Norman Basic is the Vice President of International Marketing with the National Pork Board. He and I talked about this value and what it means to the pork producer. I think the key thing on pork exports, you know, we've come, 2020 has been a very, very tough year uh, and continues to be a very uncertain and unpredictable and unprecedented time. Um, And so I think that's created a lot of uncertainty in the market. The one thing um, exports has delivered is has been some consistency that's enabled uh, the industry to to provide a ray of hope and some value back to pork producers. Um, you know, we're right now we're about 20% up on volume, 22% up on value. Anytime we can get the growth and value to lead the volume, that means we're we're creating more revenue by shipping products into export markets. And if we can get the value of pork to increase in the market, that directly correlates with the value of hogs uh, that our farmers are selling to be processed for pork. Uh, and so certainly our goal is to, to keep pushing those so that we have a consistently profitable supply chain for all the participants. What areas, uh, and we know that like China and Mexico and Japan to me always are right up there at the top. Are there other countries that you guys are looking at to say, hey, we have got an amazing product here and we'd like to share it with you? Yeah, absolutely. It is, as everyone knows, you know, we, uh, we send hogs, hogs to the processing plant and then we make all these different variety uh, of cuts of pork that have different values and different um, demand around the, the, the world. And I think that's one of the other benefits export really delivers is we increase the options and the exposure of all of those cuts and their different markets will value those differently. You, you mentioned some big ones. You know, China has been a huge uh, buyer of U.S. pork this year. We'd like, we believe that will continue. Uh, for at least the next couple of years because of the uh, the protein hole that they have as a result of ASF. But you, you hit the nail on the head. We've got to have diversity. Uh, and so while we want to take advantage of that demand with China, we also recognize it's not going to be there for the long term. Uh, so we need to develop markets like Mexico, Japan, Canada, South Korea, Australia, Colombia. Those would be our, our top seven markets. Uh, but we're also seeing uh, product going in um, markets like Chile. Uh, we're doing research to better understand ASEAN markets, Philippines, Vietnam, Malaysia, uh, South Africa is also starting as their economies grow. There are some countries there um, that are very interested in in procuring more protein. So we, to your point, we have a, a great product that the world can embrace and enjoy. Uh, and it's our job 
to make sure that we diversify our product mix and, and our country and customer base so that we're generating the most value and get the, the best growth we can. And, of course, obviously still keeping an eye on recapturing market shares for your key customers. Yeah, I think a great example has been Japan. Uh, you know, that's been one of our stalwart markets for years now. And um, because of some trade agreements and, and perhaps the West Coast ports situation back in 2015, uh there are some competitors, namely uh, to the north, Canada, um, a little bit of Mexico, and then the EU, who had been able to capture uh, some of the market share in that market, and we were no longer the leading market share. Uh, our hats off to NPPC. They did a great job getting us back onto a level uh, playing field and getting a U.S.-Japan trade agreement. Uh, that went into effect the 1st of January, and we've seen very good results in that market. We're now back into the leading share on chilled pork, uh, and we've seen the ingredient business, the, the ground season pork, uh, also come back in increase. And those, both of those uh, product streams provide tremendous value uh, for U.S. pork and for U.S. pork producers. And he talked to me about the demand and specific cuts that are being exported. You know, it, uh, that's the great thing about exports is you, as you go around the world, everybody likes uh, different things and, and multicultural cultures uh, eat and prepare protein in many different ways. And pork is extremely versatile and fits in many of those cultures. Um, so if you went to Mexico, uh, ham uh, is uh, a big one. So they're a big purchaser of bone-in ham. That's Norman Basic. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks opened solidly higher on Wall Street today following a burst of big corporate deals. At 10.18 a.m. Eastern Time, the S&P 500 was up 58 points to 3,399. The Dow was up 383 points to 28,047. And the Nasdaq was up 247 points to 11,000. OPEC says that developing countries' difficulty in containing the spread of the coronavirus will help keep a lid on global oil demand, particularly in India. OPEC says it's cut its estimates for world demand by 400,000 barrels a day for both this year and next. Besides the trouble in developing countries, OPEC says it expects a slow pickup in energy demand for transportation in rich countries. Oracle says the Chinese owner of TikTok has picked the U.S. company to be its trusted technology provider, beating out rival Microsoft in a deal that could help keep the popular video-sharing app running in the U.S. The choice came a week before President Donald Trump's deadline to ban TikTok in the U.S. Microsoft said Sunday that TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, let us know today that they would not be selling TikTok's U.S. operations to Microsoft. Walmart is teaming up with a company called Zipline to launch a drone delivery program early next year that will deliver select health and wellness products near the discounter's headquarters in northwest Arkansas. Walmart says it plans to eventually expand to general merchandise 
Walmart is also using drones from startup Flytrex to deliver groceries and household essentials from its stores in North Carolina. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. The Wazi Report released on Friday morning. We get discussions of how it affects the soybean industry. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Mac Marshall is Vice President Market Intelligence with the United Soybean Board. He works with the soybean leadership to evaluate and establish some long-term strategic initiatives in support of advancing domestic and international market opportunities of the soybean industry. So he talked about this WASDE report and what it's going to mean to soybean farmers. So the first thing I like to do um, when we saw the report come out on Friday uh, is just drill into what I found to be the most important outcomes from the report. Now, naturally, um, at this point in the uh, growing season uh, internationally, we are all eyes are focused on the U.S. and what crop development looks like. So uh, if we go back to August, uh, USDA came out with a record uh, yield figure for the U.S. soy crop, uh, put it at 53.3 bushels per acre. Now, in September, uh, we had a downward revision to that where um, based off of dryness throughout much of the growing uh, regions in the U.S., coupled with uh, derecho coming through uh, Iowa, um, we had a downward revision in the yield estimate to 51.9 bushels per acre, and consequently, the uh, total crop size had fallen from 4.4 billion bushels to 4.313, a reduction of 112 million bushels there. Um, on the demand side for the uh, uh, current marketing year now, exports were unchanged, but at 2.125 billion bushels, are still the highest since the 17-18 marketing year. So this will be a figure that we at USEC will certainly be monitoring uh, over the course of the season as more WASDs come out. He talks about the expected ending stocks for the soybean industry. Marketing year uh, were revised down by 150 million bushels. Now, part of that is attributable to the uh, reduced crop size for 2020, but part of that is also uh, due to decreased carry-in from the prior marketing year. So with that, let's look at 1920, uh, the year that just wrapped up for U.S. soy. So carry-out was revised down by 40 million bushels to 575 million bushels, um, that was primarily driven by an upward revision to exports. Um, as uh, we've seen over the course of the summer, uh, you know, a renewed export pace out of the U.S. Um, as we've come, uh, as, as global demand is starting to pick back up following COVID. So we had uh, this upward revision by 30 million bushels. And then if we look at the co-products, we have soybean oil use up um, or uh, upward revision there. Marshall was asked his thoughts of what's been happening with African swine fever and China as they start to ramp up their herds. Right now, uh, China reported, I think, in early August, the first year-on-year increase in its sow herd since ASF started striking in 2018. So um, if we think back to the uh, before the ASF outbreak, China had a herd of about um, 43, 44 million uh, head. And um, right now, or at least at the end of June, which is the latest reporting, uh, China has an inventory of about 36 million head and has a goal of uh, getting back to the pre-ASF figure um, by the end of the calendar year. So certainly, certainly pretty aggressive. The discussion coming from Mac Marshall. He is Vice President of Market Intelligence with the United Soybean Board during this morning's news conference 
on the WASD report and its effects on the soybean industry. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Play Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, coming in here into the grains close, really pretty strong for corn as it was lower most of the day, but didn't really. The September contract goes off at noon, and then we start to see a little bit of a rally. Absolutely. It's a really big commodities in general, um, you know, at least on the ag side. And wheat, you know, up in nickel, about a percent higher. Same with KT wheat. So, I mean, you can look at it two ways. You can say, well, we traded 10 for a while, and that's good. But we failed there at 998. So, you are seeing, I would imagine, significant selling by producers. Uh, that should keep some sort of level in the near term. But this thing has been really strong. Uh, not just corn, you know, cotton, uh, you know, coffee. Some of these other markets have done really well recently, and I think you know maybe it's an overseas exposure as well because we'll be able to put their their crop in the ground. But regardless, here the story remains the same. You know, we're basically looking at the uh, the second largest corn crop ever, and the third largest bean crop we've ever had, and you know, big supplies that to be had. And um, the thing that concerns me most maybe is the you know the resigning of, of uh, Terry Branstad as um, ag secretary to China, just due to the fact that he was really good friends with President Xi. So I got to think down the road if, if, you know, the election would turn out Trump or maybe even Biden would be the same way. You're, you're looking at significant pressure here in Q1. So I think, you know, we're steady for a while, but I, w- I would be shocked to think that we're, you know, not going to see lower prices in, in the summer future sometime in the near term. As well, when we look over across the way, wheat was struggled all of last week coming around today. Is this more a spread play? Is there an actual fundamental move here? It's tough to say. I, I think... You know, the market is dry, so it's looking at dry conditions, but again, I don't know if that dryness story is something that they're relating towards planting or if they're putting it towards old crop. I, at this point in time, I don't see any major issues either way. We're right at $5 in the KC, so folks who are putting that in the ground are, are going to look at that price as effective here, and then you'll get the, at, on the Chicago side, I mean, you're at 560 so you're going to see some folks in Illinois double crop, and that's going to happen for the first time in a decade, maybe even longer, since the invention of ethanol, uh, really the mandate of it. So and at this point in time, you know, currency supports, macro conditions certainly support, um, but I, I just think funnels are weak across the board here. And, you know, any, any rallies here in corn or, or wheat, they need to be sold, and then the beans and a new crop 21, you got to be looking at hooking up something for that. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. But do remember, trading futures and option involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Again, John Payne with Daniel Zag Marketing. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll take care of midday here on KRVN. Of course, you can listen to the Midday Podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors. That's available on krvn.com or on iTunes.